Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Don't change the Don't change the Yes, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA. We're live from the Toolkit Depot studios here at Optus Stadium. Peter Vlahos with you. Thanks, Hayes and Mardo, for the run home. The boys are back again tomorrow between three and five. And we're here, as you heard, for Kia and the all-electric Kia EV6 GT Supercar. I heard the boys talking about the young Australian of the year and had Peter Bowl not being in the pickle that uh, he has been in the last few days because of uh, testing positive to EPO. We're waiting on uh, the B sample to see if he is cleared in any way. And maybe if it wasn't for that, he would have been the young Australian of the year in the Australia Day honours list. This is my hot topic uh, here on Australia Day. Uh, when you look at Repco, they're your authorised service centre for expert car service. Book into your local Repco authorised service centre. Now, I don't agree. I reckon it's gone to Abomobile, uh, the young Sudanese boy who in the end graduated through the soccer ranks to play for Australia with distinction. But what he's done away from the soccer pitch is what I think in the end afforded him the young Australia of the year Honour. Um, born to South Sudanese parents, parents, he's the co-founder of a humanitarian charity, Barefoot to Boots. Now, that aims to support refugees living in camps around the world by supplying them with, among other things, football gear. Now, he and his brother came up with the idea of returning to Kampuma, where they grew up as young men. They went back in 2014, taking with them a suitcase full of 20 spare training shirts and a few deflated footballs. Since then, it's grown exponentially and they've started this charity called Barefoot to Boots and have donated more than 2,000 kilos of football equipment to Kakuma where there is now a men's and women's league containing more than 400 teams. And it's not just that. Uh, He's also been involved in a charity. It's grown so much as a co-founder that their attention now has turned to schools and hospitals. They're donating a couple of incubators to a local clinic to help aid the survival of premature babies alongside sanitary products for women and girls, ultrasound equipment, educational equipment, musical instruments, uh, all these that are important when we have new Australians that come as refugees in this country. So that alone, I think, in the end, Peter Bowl, regardless, and we wish him all the best, don't get me wrong, but I heard the boys talking on the run home. There's no way that Peter Bowl, in my opinion, apart from being an outstanding athlete, and we know how all the nation got behind him, but this young boy uh, has done extraordinary work away from the soccer field, And the fact that he's graduated to represent his country 
at the World Cup in Qatar recently and what he's done away from the soccer pitch, I tip my hat to him and I think he fully deserves to be the Young Australian of the Year. Congratulations to him. Uh, That's my hot topic for today uh, for Repco Authorised Service Centre. We know, do we celebrate Australia Day or not? I'm going to throw this question to Christina Matthews because at the moment there's a T20 match between Australia and Pakistan being played on Australia Day. It's been played down in Hobart at Bell Reef. Ash Gardner is one of the outstanding players when it comes to cricket for our Australian team. And she made a stance thinking that that there shouldn't be any celebration or any sport, particularly cricket, being played on Australia Day. I'll invite Christina Matthews to give us her thoughts on that as the Chief Executive of the West Australian Cricket Association. And no doubt we'll talk to Christina also about the big match that's happening here at Optus Stadium on Saturday night involving the Perth Scorchers and the Sydney Sixers in the qualifier. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Christina. And later on, I'll be speaking to Nat Medhurst, a former Australian Diamonds champion. Now, the Diamonds defeated New Zealand in the Netball Quad Series in South Africa in the early hours of this morning, our time, 56 to 50. But it's been overshadowed by a bizarre, absolutely bizarre umpire decision that denied the Silver Ferns a goal. And our very own Courtney Bruce, as we know, the captain of the West Coast Fever, who plays for the Australian Diamonds, was involved in a bit of a scuffle with the Silver Ferns player. And in that final quarter, and the umpires didn't see the incident. And in the end, what they eventually decided to do after there was mass confusion on the court, this in the final quarter with the matchup for grabs, they declared a toss-up. Now, the last time I saw a toss-up is when I used to go to Kingsway Netball Centre, uh, take my girls there, and they used to play under 10s or under 11s, and there used to be a toss-up there when both girls got the ball and didn't want to let it go. So the umpire says, I give it to me, girls, and I'll toss it up. Now, it doesn't happen at this level. But it happened in the early hours of this morning in the grand final in this quad series. So I will speak to Nat Medhurst about that as well. Plenty coming up as well. We'll recap the tennis. But really the highlight in relation to tennis was Rinky Hijikata and Jason Kubler. They're into the Australian Open men's final. Now, these guys were wild cards. They wouldn't have played in the doubles anywhere else, like at the US Open, Wimbledon, or at Roland Garros. But because it's the home slam... Uh, Tennis Australia has afforded a few wild cards to some locals and they got a wild card to go into the Australian men's doubles. And here they are now. They're going to be playing in Saturday's showpiece. They're ranked 163 and 277 in the world for doubles. And now Hijikata and Kubla are in the final. Today they disposed of the eight seeds, Marcel Granolis and Horatio Zabalos, 6-4, 6-2, in what was a real commanding semi-final performance. This is what they had to say to Todd Woodbridge after that epic win this afternoon. Well, an Australian Open doubles final. What did you... At the beginning of the tournament, were you two guys thinking about this? No, I was still pretty bummed about my singles match, to be honest. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess... Uh, I will take it for sure. <laughs> so the number one seeds in the quarters, the number eight seeds today, four and two cubes, very sharp. You looked impressive. Who, who would have thought? Uh, who would have thought? Um, 
Yeah, we both we both returned unbelievable. I thought, uh, you know, if anyone watched the match yesterday, they saw Rinky lacing them, and then I was happy to do my part today. So, um, unbelievable, unbelievable feeling, both of us, and uh, we get a rest day tomorrow, which is great, and then play Saturday. I was. I was in commentary, and Rinky, you bring incredible energy to the team. But I'm wondering, as the older statesman here at 29, is, is he more the leader, or who does what in the partnership? Uh, I don't even know at this point. I think we just kind of, yeah, just see the ball and hit the ball. Um, yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Well, don't you change your thoughts. He's young. Coobs, you've got more maturity. Were you thinking the same thing? <laughs> It's funny because at some stages we're just yelling at each other, you know, like I don't even know what he's saying, I don't know what I'm saying, and we're just yelling, so, like there's, there's heaps of energy and we sort of, uh, you know, we both play better when there's more energy than you, so we'll just keep it going. I don't know who the leader is, but we're doing, we're doing pretty well right now. So, I know that you've been asked this a little bit throughout the tournament, so does the preparation change now going into the final? Because what was it, a Pepsi and, and 12 hours sleep or something? What are you going to do, Rinky? Yeah, probably stick to the routine. Um, what, what's the routine? Um, uh, he'll be smacking on some lollies and a Pepsi and uh, I'll probably sleep for most of the day tomorrow. <laughs> Coops, you've got the experience of uh, having been in a Grand Slam final before and playing Davis Cup now for Australia, United Cup, bringing these sort of those big matches and big courts. Is that going to help you going into the final? Oh, I think so, 100%. Um, I was lucky enough to play a couple of matches at Ken Rosal Arena and then great to have that sort of uh, experience in such a great atmosphere. Um, this is the first time you know, I played during the day, I think, on Rod Laver. So I was, you know, to be honest, a little bit nervous coming out, but then as soon as our energy starts going, then... You know, I'm not even thinking anymore. I'm just swinging. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, with each match we get on these big courts, we're only going to get more confident and uh, feel more at home on these big courts. I guess lastly, we had the special case last year. Have you guys worked out a nickname yet or not? Are we going to get one? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I, no clue. I guess, yeah, if someone can come up with one. I think it must be pretty hard because we haven't found one yet. <laughs> We seem to have bad names for a, for a nickname, you know, we're thinking and then there's just nothing, you know, there's nothing that sounds that good, so um, hopefully someone can come up with something, but, you know, if not, then Jason and Rinky should be fine. Well, Jason and Rinky are into Australian Open men's doubles final, We've got one to go, good luck in that match and great playing today, well done. Put your hands together one more time for Jason Kubler and Rinky Hijikata. Oh, yes, they were good. Rinky and Jason uh, winning, as I mentioned, 6-4, 6-2 in their semifinal, in the final of the men's doubles on Saturday. Uh, and as well, updating other sport, thanks to Tyre Power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. Uh, what about Roger Federer's wife, Merica? Nice photo of the Fed and his wife, uh, but had a scent the internet into meltdown with an outfit that she was wearing and has been described as iconic. As we know, the eyes of the tennis world are on Melbourne Park at the moment. Federer is enjoying the retired life. He's made an appearance on the other side of the world at the Paris Fashion Festival. But his wife stole the show. She's wearing a sweater. Have a look if you get a chance. The sweater has a vest with an unmistakable blue goat emblazoned on the front worn over the top of a patterned dress. Sure enough, tennis fans immediately lost their collective minds. What many suspected was a deliberate choice by Merica to acknowledge to her husband as GOAT.
the greatest tennis player of all time. Uh, he's just travelling beautifully, is Roger Federer. And as I said, all the uh, update. Thanks to our friends at Tyre Power in the cricket. Uh, we've got the T20 match between Australia and Pakistan. Pakistan in the 15th over, four for 67. That's being played at Bloodstone Arena in Hobart. Back with some more cricket after the break. We'll be speaking to Christina Matthews, the CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Well, in cricket news, we've got the Women's International Series T20. Game two's been played at Bell Reve Oval in Hobart. And Pakistan in the 16th over of five for 70. Alana King, of course, our very own Perth Scorcher in the WBBL, has just taken a lazy two for five in her second over, just bowling beautifully. And on cue, let's welcome a lady that really wears orange very well, is the Chief Executive of the West Australian Cricket Association in Christina Matthews. Christina, thanks for joining us on the program. Good afternoon. Yeah, thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Jolana King, I've just been watching her, actually. She's bowling at the moment in this uh, second of the T20 games in the Women's International Series between Australia and Pakistan. She's a, an almighty bowler, isn't she? Yeah, look, she's, um, she's continuing to improve, and it's fantastic that uh, coming to the Scorchers really saw her career take off. So yeah. um, uh, it's, um, you know, every international she plays, she um, uh, gets better and better. So, um, you know, I think she'll be really looking forward to the World, um, the T20 World Cup um, next month in South Africa. Yeah, it'd be great to watch. Uh, and your dog uh, agrees with everything you say as well too, Christina. That's right, which is rare. <laughs> uh, we're really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to actually broadcasting it for the network on Saturday. Uh, been there and uh, followed the fortunes of the Scorchers at Optus Stadium. Haven't they been good here at home this summer? Yeah, they um, they have been good. I mean, they've been good here and away. I mean, they only lost three matches for the year, but um, they seem to grow another leg when they're playing at Optus Stadium. And, I mean, a lot of that is due to the crowd and the way the, the Scorchers fans um, get around them and really come out and support them. You know, the, the, the way the um, uh, stadium is um, uh, dressed in orange is really intimidating for other sides and it really lifts our players. Yeah, saying that, as you said, the crowd has been good and it's been growing during the course of the BBL to the point, of course, in the last game was well over 30,000. What are we predicting, do you think, for Saturday? Because the weather's going to be ideal. Yeah, so we've sold um, 30,000 tickets to date, um, which is unbelievable. Um, So we're certainly hoping to break 40,000 and... uh, you know, um, hit 45 if we can. So tomorrow is a big day for us in ticket sales. And, of course, uh, around about 20% of the tickets are usually bought on the day of the match. So, um, you know, the sky's the limit at the moment. Mm. Saying that, I spoke to Kate Harvey, the Wacker Head of Performance, on my program a few days ago. You must be absolutely wrapped with some of the local talent that's been produced uh, through club cricket or uh, Premier League cricket into WA and then, of course, now representing uh, 
the, the scorchers. And you look at the WA setup, and apart from a couple of the internationals that we had at the top of the order who have now gone, it's primarily, with the exception of Peter Hatsogalu and maybe one other, very much WA talent. Yeah, um, that's right. I mean, we've been working on our uh, creating depth in our pathway for the past 10 years. And um, even with COVID, where our underage championships, we weren't able to play in the underage championships. We had a really good program um, of, of continuing that player development. And we're seizing, seeing the, the fruits of our labour um, in that. And um, I, I think that's the, the thing that other states are really envious of is, is our depth. I was over in Sydney um, recently for the unveiling of Belinda Clark's statue. And while I was there, you know, I ran into Steve Waugh, Mark Taylor, Stuart Clark, a, a, a few others. And they all said the same thing to me is go, gee, you've got some good players and, and your depth is unbelievable. So um, people are, are, are taking notice. And, um, you know, it's given us a bit of luxury in this competition because we've been able to um, lose players and rest players and we've got sort of ready-made replacements. And, um, you know, even with Ashton Agar not being able to play this week, we were able to bring Cooper Connolly in last um, last week to get his, you know, his feet on the ground. Um, I know it was his second grain, but he hadn't batted yet. Mm. Um, and, and feel what it's like before he gets into the, you know, the real pressure of a final. And he did well with the bat as well to, uh, right at the end of the innings. Yeah. When you look at the BBL, and it will be shortened going forward, smart move in relation to shortening it for the next TV rights deal? Um, well, I suppose the smart move was shortening it and getting more money. I think that was pretty clever. Um, <laughs> uh, look, <laughs> I think the, when you look at these things, you've got to look at it in a, a world cricket context. Um, and, and world cricket is changing. There are a lot of T20 leagues. We're competing with them. They're all much shorter than ours. So international players, and even as we've seen people like um, uh, Chris Lynn and, and even Marcus Stoinis recently, looking at how they can play in these leagues, Dave Warner was going to go off to one of them. So you've got to look at how do you remain competitive in that environment. Um, depending on the international ske- schedule, the BBL gets stretched out a bit and, and we start getting into dead area if you like because the beauty of the BBL is it's in school holidays and once you start going into the first week of February you start to lose that momentum so um, you know we've been lucky in Perth because we've maintained good strong crowds Um, you know if you take out the COVID um, period throughout the tournament um, and uh, I'm still a bit befuddled as, as why other states don't copy what we do but I'm happy for them to just go along their merry way and and not have the success we do. You mentioned crowds, and maybe I'll throw a bit of a curveball. You know, the crowds weren't great for the uh, test match against the West Indies here at Optus Stadium that got underway, I think, from memory on the 30th of November. Are you confident there'll be a test match here next summer? Yeah, well, firstly, in in, um, response to the crowds weren't great, they were still only a 1,000 short of our best ever West Indies crowd. Um, So in terms of historical data, they were kind of right on the money. But because we're now playing in a bigger stadium, it looks vastly um, different. Um, There's no risk um, in terms of Test cricket um, next year. Um, We'll be talking to Cricket Australia about a number of things. Um, You know, our test came on the back of 
you know, an early um, England-Australia's um, T20 series, then the World Cup, and then the Test. So it's a lot of cricket for people to be making their choices around what cricket they're going to watch. Um, and, and, of course, it, it's in um, peak working time, starting on a Wednesday. So there, there wasn't a lot about that Test that was appealing for people um, uh, to sort of take a day off or, or, or so forth. So um, hopefully next year we'll get Pakistan, which has um, been really good in um, Test cricket of late. Mm. Um, got some fantastic um, uh, players. Um, Matty Hayden's, um, you know, continuing to do a bit of work with them. So that adds a, a little bit of intrigue as well. But um, yeah, we're, we've really got to work out how you build the buzz around international cricket, um, particularly not having had it for three years, and, and um, get that you know sort of mystique um, back around it. What suits the wacker? Like we had the first Test match of the summer this summer, and there's been I think the previous time it may have been a week before, or a couple of weeks before Christmas, before the Boxing Day Test match uh, when we had a Test match here in Perth. What suits the wacker? in your opinion? Yeah, if we could, we would love every year to be um, the last test of the calendar year. So just before the Boxing Day test, sorry, um, before Christmas. Um, so yeah, the last day before, last test before the Boxing Day. Um, and, and then um, you kind of roll in WA, Melbourne, Sydney, and, and that's the end of the series. Next year, um, next summer might be a bit different because um, because it's um, a split um, summer like this year was, it may well go further into January. So we don't really know what the dates will be. But certainly the the last test before Christmas would always be our preference. Saying that with test matches, Ash Gardner, of course, who's currently playing in uh, the Australian women's cricket team in this T20 international against Pakistan down there in Hobart, came out that she felt a little uncomfortable because of her uh, Indigenous background to be playing possibly on Australia Day cricket. Now, we know, and I remember even growing up, uh, the Adelaide Test match was always played around Australia Day. And next year, Australia Day will be on a Friday. So you could almost run Friday through to Tuesday, which is a great fit for any Test match. What are your thoughts or what's the stance of the West Australian Cricket Association and cricket as a community regarding playing high-level, high-profile cricket on a, well, divisive day, as we know, Australia Day at the moment? Well, I don't think um, Western Australian cricket has an official position on it because we haven't been in a position where we've had a a game on that day. But, uh, you know, I think we recognise that it's a day that is more and more dividing um, people. Um, It's also a day that hasn't always been Australia Day. So, you know, I lived half my life before there was, you know, this Australia Day. Um, And so... um, you know, I think we all need to use it as time to reflect and understand what the issues are really uh, about. Um, I think um, uh, uh, Cricket Australia have handled it quite well over the last few years of acknowledging that it is a, a, a point of um, uh, contention um, and are sensitive to um, Aboriginal people about that. And a lot of non-Aboriginal people who understand um, what the issues are. So, you know, we need to always be open to learning about others and um, the pain that they've been caused before we just, you know, 
um, jump up and down about things. So yeah. um, we'll continue to discuss it and, um, you know, work through it. But we certainly um, uh, acknowledge that um, for Aboriginal people, um, it is a day of great pain and, um, uh, you know, we need to acknowledge that in some way. Yeah, nicely answered, Christina. Thanks for that and thanks for being very honest. Thanks for your time on the program. I look forward to seeing you all in Orange uh, on Saturday. 4.15 it gets underway. It should be a fantastic spectacle, the Scorchers against the Sydney Sixers. We win that and, of course, we're in the decider, which will be played, what, a fortnight after? No, a week. The next, oh, a week, uh, is it? Next week. Well, there yeah, you go. Yeah, so... It, it, it's a, it's a very quick turnaround, and hopefully uh, we win and we're at home, and it gives our players a, a decent rest rather than having to fly um, back over east. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Christina, thanks for your time. We'll keep Thank in touch. You. Good on you, Christina okay. Matthews, the chief executive of the West Australian Cricket Association. Regarding that uh, big match on Saturday, AJ Ty will play his one hundred T Twenty match, and he was asked about his longevity in the sport. Yeah, it's been a hell of an experience. Obviously, some games better than others. Um, but yeah, it's just an amazing sort of journey, I guess. It's like you, you dream of playing cricket as a kid and, and then to be able to live that out on on the biggest comp in Australia and on the biggest stage, yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. I guess I was lucky that I started, my training age is still quite young because I didn't start professionally until I was 26. So before that, I wasn't doing any heavy weights. I wasn't doing any big running sessions or anything like that. So a lot of the guys coming through that have been in the system since they were 16, 17, their training age probably hurts their body a bit earlier than it does with mine. So, um, yeah, I guess guess that plays a part of it. But, yeah, I just find that I'm having lots of fun and enjoying it. So, yeah, why, why stop? Oh, we'll have to, have to see how far I go with it. But I can rest when I retire is the line I've been saying to V. Um, you know, there's no point uh, missing out on an opportunity to play um, the sport you love in front of big crowds, and especially this week, hopefully get 40-plus in an Optus, and it'll be really exciting. Ah, good on you, AJ. You've been an absolute uh, champion when it comes to the Perth Scorchers. For the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar, an Australian Open update, uh, one of the uh, two semifinals in the women's draw is being played. Uh, Rybakina is taken on Azarenka. It's the 22 seed against the 24th seed, and it's on service at the moment. Five games all in the opening set. Lynette and Sabalenka will play the other semifinal once this concludes between uh, Rybakina and Azarenka just repeating five all on serve in the first set there at Rod Laver Arena. Uh, on the SMS, on the te- uh, temper of bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. Lee says, hi, Peter. Hope you guys have enjoyed Australia Day. Peter, why does it take so long to have results on drug testing? Peter Bowles' B sample won't be known until March. I believe it may be known a bit earlier than that, at least I've been told. Possibly in the next week or two, mental health is a huge issue and playing the waiting game won't be helping Lisa of Allenbrook. Uh, The thing is, he may not know the full results by March, which will hamper his preparation going forward. But anyway, we'll wait and see. Uh, how that all plays out. Thanks, Lise. Thanks for listening to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Now, after the break, we're going to speak to Nat Methurst, former Australian Diamonds champion, about the Diamonds winning the quad series against New Zealand, but it was being overshadowed by what was a very extraordinary and controversial set of circumstances in that final quarter. 
Nat will join us next here on Sports Day, and it's all thanks to Kia. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Crazy scenes uh, last night in the quad series between Australia and New Zealand, of course, the arch rivals. Uh, joining us now is former Diamonds champion in Nat Medhurst, part of the SEN broadcast team. Nat, thanks for joining us. What did you think of what transpired last night involving our very own West Australian, Courtney Bruce? Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I think as many people were just completely shocked um, with what was going on. I don't think anyone has ever seen anything like that. And I think the other side of it as well as being shocked is just disappointed um, that obviously we had umpires that had no idea what was going on, um, that, you know, decisions were, were made. And I think as we, we saw then a toss-up take place, which I don't think has um, happened in that grade of netball for, oh gosh, years and years. Um, but yeah, it was a, um, a bit of a shambles, particularly in a final. It's certainly not something that you want to see take place and certainly not in that sort of scenario. Uh, the Diamonds prevailed 56 to 50 over New Zealand in the final of the Quad Series there in Cape Town, where the World Cup will be staged uh, middle of the year. But we'll talk about the match in more detail in a moment. Saying that, it appears that neither umpire was apparently watching what happened off the ball involving uh, the New Zealand player Ekanasio and uh, Courtney Bruce. So they had no idea how to play because there was a goal scored by the Silver Ferns in that exchange, wasn't there? And that was then disallowed. Yeah, so, but I guess this whole situation, when you actually look back at this moment and you actually take your eyes away from, I guess, that little battle that was going on under the goalpost between um, Australian Diamonds' Courtney Bruce and also the Silver Ferns' shooter. Um, the umpire actually calls the Australian goalkeeper Sarah Clough for obstruction on that shot. And then she calls the incident that's happening underneath the goalpost. So technically, whether she then saw the goal go in or not and what ever the umpire, other umpire did and did not see, her existing call should have standard. And it's like she completely forgot that she'd actually even made that call in that moment. So Ekinazio had, or the Silverfern shooters had the opportunity or should have had the opportunity to then put up another shot. So it, I think, shows the pressures that umpires have to deal with, but they need to be able to make the calls, know what's going on, and certainly see what is happening certainly from that umpire down that goal shooter's end, exactly what is happening in front of them. Um, the other umpire, Gary Burgess, who I know very well from my years of playing, I don't know what on earth he was looking at during that time, um, but for them, both of them, to sort of throw their hands up. I know they then um, met and conversed and tried to figure out what was going on was, yeah, um, an absolute mess. And um, unfortunately, I think shows... Um, the sport not in a great spotlight in terms of how things are being managed when things like this happen out there on court. So saying that, currently the rules uh, of netball forbid umpires from checking with the broadcasters for video evidence, and it suggested the umpires could have approached the bench where the reserve umpire is watching. Do you think they sort of lost control and got a bit confused about it all? And, and secondly... Do you think that option of now, if you're not sure as an umpire, you've got now the flexibility going forward and uh, of checking 
the broadcast vision. Uh, is that a possibility for more technology in netball? I think that's certainly the way that it needs to go. Um, and it's been, uh, to be honest, a push from the playing group I know for quite a while, certainly um, in the domestic competition, um, because there's so many things that are going on that happen so fast. And we've got two umpires umpiring our game. And as I said, they're under a lot of pressure to keep up with a game that is incredibly fast. It's incredibly highly contested. There's a lot of things that happen off the ball as well. Um, And the fact that games constantly come down to one goal and obviously what is on the line for this, and you see so many other sports that become reliant on um, technology to be able to make the game, I guess, fair, um, as fair as possible, and to, you know, for things to not be left to. Um, what an umpire did or did not see. Um, and it's time that I think Netball joined the rest of the other sports. You know, they um, it's such a great product and I feel like they're tinkering with so many other things, yet things that they need to be getting right aren't things that are getting addressed. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and as I said, they've got the technology there. They're using it um, to broadcast games and they should certainly be able to rely on it to help make... Um, you know, certain decisions. And they can put rules around what can and can't be referred to, you know, the cameras like they do in other sports, but certainly an incident like that, um, and the fact that that couldn't be relied upon in this whole situation would have been... Outcome would have come to um, the forefront pretty quickly. Is yes, yeah, certainly disappointing. Uh, good stuff. Let's look at the match. And I suppose the incident soured what was an incredible fight back by the Diamonds after what they coughed up a whopping nineteen goals in the opening term. There. Yeah, this was quite an interesting series for the Diamonds. You know, across the board, they've had a lot of slow start, so I know that'll be something that they'll certainly want to, want to address. I don't think they're actually going to have any more internationals before the World Cup in July, so slow start for them across his quad series was um, quite, cons- or unfortunately, consistent for them, but they were then able to fight back. They went through the series undefeated, and um, you know, I think the way in which Stacey Marinkovic allowed her players to grind themselves out of those situations, I think, was a testament to what she was looking for during this series um, from her playing group, how she was challenging them and they um, and they responded beautifully and um, I don't think she could have asked any more from that side, um, yeah, which was obviously very pleasing because it'll give them um, a lot of confidence heading into um, obviously what will now be SSN but into the World Cup next year. It's interesting what you were saying regarding Stacey Marinkovic because they were challenged and there was the real threat that maybe the Silver Ferns, particularly after that fast start, would get the better of the Diamonds, but she persevered with the setup and the tactics and the positioning that she wanted without making sort of knee-jerk reaction and changes. Is that a sign of a very, very uh, steady coach and a coach that knows its players and very much is in control of the situation? Oh, absolutely. And I think as well, you know, people on the outside as well can get very... um, I think can miss the bigger picture and Stacey certainly would have had her eye on what the bigger picture is. And yes, it's great to win a quad quad series, but ultimately it is, this is also part of a preparation for the world cup. Um, You know, if people look back to the Commonwealth games, there were times when the playing group weren't able to actually grind themselves out of tough situations. So I think that is what she really wanted to see from this 
playing group and they, as I said, they were able to respond. So she knows what she wanted to get out of this quad series, not just from a win, but also, as I said, that bigger term picture. And um, I think you see, she's. I think she would have got a lot of confidence as well from winning that gold medal um, in terms of being able to back her players in, but backing herself in as a coach as well um, and knowing that the feedback that she gives them um, during those breaks um, is the right things and that the players respond to her. And as I said, they were able to do that. Talking to Nat Medhurst, former Australian Diamonds champion, uh, here on uh, the Sports Day program with Peter Vlahos on this holiday, Thursday being Australia Day. 56-50 was the final score. And so they scored 56 goals. We have discussed, particularly on our Saturday morning program, uh, without Gretel Buetta, whether they have now the makeup to convert winning scores. Uh, how did you see them in the quad series without Gretel? And are they competent enough with what they've got in their squad to maybe score enough goals to win matches, particularly in the World Cup? They're certainly competent enough and they can do that. Um, obviously, as I said, World Cup is going to be a completely different environment. There's, a, You know, that's the pinnacle of netball. Um, Commonwealth Games is great, but I think if you asked everyone or, you know, probably the majority of players will say that a World Cup is what they want to get a hold of. And it's a long tournament. It can be incredibly draining. You need a lot of flexibility in your sides. And I think that for me will be the biggest question heading into the World Cup if Gretel isn't there, um, particularly around that front end, because they did still struggle at times in the Commonwealth Games when they were challenged, um, in that forward line. And so without her, I think it does reduce their unpredictability um, that they can offer, particularly because Gretel could swing both to goal attack and goal shooter. So if she was in, she gives them an enormous boost. Um, Even without her, as I said, I think they can get the job done, but it would be a lot harder um, than probably what they would have otherwise. So um, I think Stacey will still be looking at how those combinations develop because I think it's now still a bit uncertain around that third and fourth shooting position and who, um, you know, really slots in and is the best matchup for what they need. Good stuff. And as we let you go, uh, Nat, England uh, veteran Jade Clark, 200th test she played uh, and they broke their quad series drought with that 49-42 playoff win against South Africa, did England. That's a heck of an achievement. That's unbelievable, isn't it? I, I remember playing against Jay. Um, she's played for an incredibly long time, and it's an absolute testament to her. And, you know, when you think about what sometimes an average playing career is and how hard it is, obviously, to get there in the first place and to keep it going, um, for someone like her to do it for as long as what she has. She's even played in the SSN competition throughout her time and yet 200 national caps is um yeah is pretty phenomenal and I think she would have been pretty pretty pumped to finish it off with a win because they um yeah they unfortunately aren't looking too too great at the moment I think there's a few issues for those England Roses um but yeah as you said it's a it's a real testament to her for notching up 200 games Good on you, Nat. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure to talk netball with one of the greats of the Australian Diamonds. And, of course, you'll be back on SEN on the Ladbrokes Lounge on 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. Enjoy the remainder of your Australia Day, and we'll catch you on Saturday. You too. I'll catch you Saturday morning. Welcome back to Sports Day WA for Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar. Not forget, uh, tomorrow night, it's the Wildcats in action at RAC Arena. And get behind the Perth Wildcats this season. 
Pick up a ticket for tomorrow night. Head to tickettech.com.au. They take on the Illawarra Hawks. Now for New Farm Australian through and through. Let's look at Perth's weather and also the weather down in the southwest tomorrow. Very similar, actually. Perth mostly sunny, dropping to a low of 16 tonight. Might have to throw the blanket on again. It is January. 27, the expected top tomorrow. Very mild for summer, but it starts cranking up from Saturday, 31 degrees on Saturday. And for Bunbury tomorrow, similar conditions, sunny conditions, 16 to 27 and up to 29 degrees on Saturday. Of course, New Farm's products are formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm, Australian through and through. Look forward to your company next Monday from 5 for for another week of Sports Day WA. Thanks for your company this week. I'll leave you with one of the classic uh, Australian tracks for mine, being Australia Day. Hope you've enjoyed uh, your time with your family and friends today. We'll leave you with Ivor Davies and Icehouse and that great southern land. Have a great weekend, everyone.